0: Louise's little wow was five kilobytes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How much is a giggle? (laughs)
0: Let's see. Um,
2: It's not not flushing to disk yet. This episode is brought to you by Offizen, a South African recruitment startup for developers. OfferZen inverts the normal recruitment process. Instead of applying for jobs, 350 tech companies in Cape Town, Johannesburg and Pretoria send developers interview requests with upfront salary info. For developers, it's completely free to sign up and use. In fact, you get 5,000 Rand if you take a job through them. Visit offerzen.com to sign up. That's O-F-F-E-R-Z-E-N.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the ZA Dev Chat podcast. Tonight on the panel, I'm joined by Len. Good evening. And our guest tonight is Louise Perold. Hello, Louise.
1: Hi, Kate. Okay.
2: So thanks for joining us. I think we should start off with a little bit about your background, who you are, and how you got into tech.
1: Cool. So I'm Louise, and I started, oh, well, I got into tech, I guess, when I was at university. I studied a BCom Information Systems at WITS. At the time of studying, I didn't really know what it was all about, and it just happened to be the subject that I just loved and uh, decided to then major in information systems. And then I went overseas for a few years and did nothing to do with tech whatsoever and came back and was looking desperately for a job, thought I could maybe go into business analysis or something like that and then my ex-boyfriend at the time his stepmother worked for a testing consultancy called micro to mainframe and she said to me oh well we're looking for people so i went ahead and had an interview uh, with the md there were only five other employees at the time i was the sixth employee i got hired and my first testing gig was at African Bank and that was about in 2001 so and since then I've been testing and loving testing and uh, really I've really felt like it was my calling when I actually sat down to first do the job and see other see others doing the job and mentoring me yeah I really thought wow this is like the best job ever
0: (laughs) that's amazing I've never heard that before (laughs) But it's um it's inspirational.
1: Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. It's I guess it's it's firstly at university there wasn't really any anything much said about testing. I think we had one small chapter in our entire three year course. And that was really also more desk checking actually that we did at university. Everything else was like, oh, here's all the, you know, here's how you do all the process flows, and here's how you can design, and here's database design, and and then you just do a little bit of testing quickly, and then give it to your customers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've certainly never been through any kind of formal. This is how to test. This is what goes into testing, you know, kind of thing. I've just been told that I'm in. I'm, I'm very, very bad because I don't do it
1: at all. Then,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, very rarely.
1: Yeah, and I think um, part of maybe the problem that we have as a craft is that there traditionally hasn't been the greatest foundations or or courses or training for testing. So there is a certification, the ISTQB, which I think actually has potentially done more harm than good to the industry because you can literally kind of go through the material – and write the exam and get like 90% as long as you can recall things.
0: Uh, okay, this is just sort of memory-based memory, memory based exam, not, not an actual practical, you-know-this-stuff exam.
1: Yeah, I think they, they're trying to change some of it to more application. But for me, a lot of that is just, you know, it's it's a, been a bit of a money-making scheme from the beginning. Um, luckily, there has been uh, some other people in the industry that have really stepped up and created a, an incredible body of knowledge, um, people like James Bach and Michael Bolton, Kim Kena. And there is a really wonderful um, online course that the BBST, what's called BBST, it's, um, uh, it's uh, what's the word, given by the Association for Software Testing in the States, Um, initially it started out as a free course. I think now you need to be a member of the AST. Uh, But really, it's a four-week intensive. They've got three modules out at the moment, um, foundations and bug advocacy and test design. And they really go into application of testing techniques and, and understanding and articulation. And you need to do... Uh, multiple choice as well as um, uh, group exercises and hand, you know uh, handwritten exercises. And then you actually have to evaluate your colleagues on the course, their work as well, which I think I found I learned the most from really, um is being able to give other people feedback and then getting feedback on your feedback, um, which which really is is good. Especially, I think, also because so much of testing is about giving feedback, so being able to articulate things succinctly and clearly and evaluate things um, is important. important skill.
0: Okay, that sounds super cool. Maybe, maybe now is a good time to take a big step back and, and know that there are many, many definitions and people disagree and there are arm wrestling matches about what exactly is testing? Where 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 do you apply testing? Is it like down at the sort of like unit level? Is it big testing? Little testing? You know, what what exactly is going on? Help us out. Give us give us give us a give us the sort of definitive way of looking at this whole thing.
1: Okay. So for me, um, I like uh James and Kim's and Michael's definitions of testing, um, which really is that it's providing information about the quality of the product and anything that threatens its value. So we, as part of testing, um, there are a number of other things that go into getting a quality product, Um, things like unit testing, like integration testing. Um, But those things, I would say, specifically units and integration testing, are, are very confirmatory in nature. So you have a, a specific thing that you're checking or looking for, and the result is then some kind of binary outcome that you can programmatically um, stipulate, OK, it has to do, do this or not. Um, and that's a portion of, of what testing is, because you're getting feedback then about the quality based on, based on an expectation. Um, the bigger part um, is is about looking for problems, and sometimes those problems you can start to look for right in the beginning when you're thinking about what should this product do and how should it behave. Um, what do our customers need? What does value mean to them? What what would quality mean for them? Um, and you can start to kind of clarify and and um, more clearly define those things so that you have a better set of criteria to confirm against. And then also the reality is that once you build something and actually start to interact with it, uh, other problems can manifest themselves that Mm. you never thought of. Um, And that's also a very important part of testing is to really then interact with the product um, and look for, risks and ways that it may not do what it was intended to do and f- things that could occur that nobody expected.
0: I guess it's really like applying human intelligence to the situation, saying, you know, it does. This, first of all, does it work? That's good. And then in what ways could I use this thing that will cause it to sort of mo- malfunction or, or break? You know, kind of
1: Absolutely. Um, it's also... The thing about quality is that it's subjective, right? So everyone um, may have a different definition of what value means. Uh, If you take, for example, uh, the person that's in charge of marketing um, for a product, well, he may be pressured to to get this thing out the door of sales, for example. He may be pressured to get the product out the door. It might not need to be um, as robust in his mind versus mm-hmm. the guy who's looking after production support and is going to get woken up at 3am um, yeah. has a very different view of what um, quality means. Uh, so part of testing is also figuring out, well, who are all the different stakeholders? What does quality mean to them? And how can we then tailor our feedback such that we make sure that that we're presenting all the right kinds of information?
0: Yeah, so sort of the comprehensiveness of the application versus it's sort of time to market, et cetera, would be kind of in conflict, and it's it's, it's it's difficult then to know what to test, I guess.
1: Yeah, and, and even things like its maintainability, its scalability, those could also be things that um, come into the picture and that you need to think about.
0: OK, so you'd actually look at code and say, well, this is not very maintainable um, as part of the testing.
1: Well, I think um, as a team, we definitely need to think about that stuff. And I, as somebody who advocates for quality, and I see that as part of a tester's job, um, is going to be, you know, trying to have those discussions with the team and talk about it with the team as we're as we're creating a product.
0: Okay, that's that's quite unique. Um, you know, one one of the things that comes up a lot is this idea of, of of automating all the testing. So it's this kind of idea, I guess, that testers arrive and whatever they're doing, we just automate the hell out of that, and then <laughs> I guess I guess they go. You know, where where do testers go once they've been automated?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Where do they go? Yeah, when that's it, it's mysterious. Okay.
1: It's fascinating to me that that we we keep. Talking about this automating of humans. Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting that we don't ever think, oh, you know, why aren't we automating the programmers thing?
0: We're trying, man. We're trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. You know. yeah, I, I sat next to Ken for a year. I still don't know what he does.
2: That's, uh, it's lost to me as well. Yeah,
1: Ken probably is a machine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Have you actually met Ken? <laughs> 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 or it's,
0: we just we just speak to him on podcasts. He just exists in cyberspace. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the idea that we can automate all testing. Well, first that we can test everything is is crazy. Then, even in automating certain portions of the testing that I'll refer to as checking, um, that process is a is a human process. So deciding. What to have as a unit test, what to have as an integration test, what to assert for is a very human activity. I spend a lot of time with Josh Lewis. Maybe you guys have had him on before. Um, yeah,
0: it was it was such a tricky show.
1: <laughs> just, just, just give it. So he has a great workshop that I've also um, been working with him uh, where we look at the sort of collaborative exploration of 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 unit tests so thinking about how we can create unit tests as a as a team and through that actually more clearly define what it is that we're building and that's a very human process it happens it can happen outside of or it happens outside of code The thinking part, I guess.
2: Yeah, I want to ask why can't all the tests be automated? I mean, I intuitively know, (laughs) but I'll be the one that puts that out.
1: So I think fundamentally, it's it's the idea, or it's it's that we can't upfront specify every single behavior that a user is going to perform, and we also can't specify, and that's really what it comes down to, because if you're going to code something, you need to explicitly specify something to look for it or check for it, right? Yeah. Mm. So fundamentally, we can't think of everything up front. And in testing, we're actually not just looking for the things that are there, but we're, we're exploring and looking for problems. That exploration is also, it's based on, you know, doing things in a not very always logical sequence and and applying different kinds of techniques to something. So, yeah, I think it's just it's just not something that you can entirely program away.
0: That so kind of ties into this idea that like testings a thing like you come in and and it kind of gets done and then it's finished. But you're saying that that's not really true, right? Because people are going to keep Discovering new things about the system, and that can then be—I don't know—I guess encoded in a test case. But that test case—it's—it's it's, it's never going to be finished, right?
1: Yeah, there's always—you're always going to make a choice about how much testing you do and when is done for any given thing that you're building, and that's, you know, part of the responsibility, I guess, and um, and craft to a degree of of being a good tester is being able to articulate what it is that you've covered, what it is that you've found, and then as a team to sit down and think about what are the risks that we still might anticipate. Are there bits of the code that we haven't tested enough? Are there pieces that we are still worried about? Or is this MVP good enough and we can get it out the door? And those are conversations then that I think it's really important that the team has. But I do think that that tester mindset or the quality person on <laughs> the team's mindset um, is really important to bring into that into that picture.
0: Oh, that's, that's a wonderfully refreshing way to think about the whole thing is to reframe it really as talking about the quality of the system under, under construction really.
1: Yeah, I think more and more I'm realizing that our value as testers is so dependent on the rest of the team to a large degree because our ability to be effective and to look for problems depends on the quality of what we're actually looking at. If I start to test a piece of code and it just fails in very basic ways, then yeah, that yeah. means there's a bunch of testing that I'm potentially never going to get to because we're going to run out of time. If what comes into me to look at you know, is really pretty solid, I can start to, to really explore and look for deeper problems. So a team quality is is a whole team responsibility and our effectiveness as a tester I mean it also depends on the the kind of information that I have if I know that a certain bit of functionality is covered well with unit tests well then you know potentially I it's stuff that I'm I'm not going to spend a lot of time and energy on because I've been part of that process of defining those unit tests and talking about those unit tests whereas okay. yeah so I, I I just think it's it's really testing is most effective when it's a totally a, a team sport well that's very
0: refreshing to hear and we must definitely talk a, bit, a little bit about your experience in getting teams to do that but just on that sort of idea of unit testing and then functional testing and um you know like one of the things i'm i do a lot is so we, we kind of use unit tests a little bit to flesh out an idea but i don't really like give the unit testing stuff a lot of love. If they don't work after a while, I just let them fall away. What's interesting to me is the sort of outside-in or big system testing in production. You know, we, we tend to do a lot more of that than we do of the unit testing stuff, like actually actually running through the UI or calling the APIs and making sure that whatever we think is supposed to have happened, has happened. What, what do you think of that approach? I'm just curious about your yeah. with those kinds of things.
1: So I think the philosophy of testing that I have is what we call context-driven testing. So I truly believe that the testing that you do needs to suit the context. And that context encompasses a bunch of things. It's, it speaks to how the team works, what your product is, who your stakeholders are, the state of the code, how you version it, how you deploy it. So... All of those things influence the way that you're going to test. I would guess that probably for your application, it's pretty easy to roll back.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So testing in production is, is you know, and, and probably there's a lot of complex scenarios that are more easily seen in production than maybe they are to actually test for in a non-production environment.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right, and I think this this context thing is coming up more and more often. I mean, the the, the painful thing about that is that we can't make general statements anymore, right?
1: <laughs> there is no best practice.
0: <laughs> yeah, are we recording, Ken? Did yep, we got that? Are. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> there is no best practice like that.
1: Absolutely, and it, and like when it comes to testing, there is right. definitely no best practice. And things like the ISTQB certification kind of advocates for there being one awesome way of doing things.
0: Yeah. Well, they is... need to
1: sell certificates. Exactly.
0: But this is such a refreshing perspective that you're bringing, because usually testing is kind of that thing at the end of the project plan, you know, the testers are the like bottom of the pile, you know.
1: Oh, and but the- sadly, that's still happening a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if people are even at that level of advancement, right? <laughs> Lots of people are like, testing, what are you talking about? If people complain at us on Twitter, then we know something's wrong.
2: <laughs> yes. I want to take a moment to tell you about Office OfferZend office connects you with more than 350 South African companies that are hiring developers. Instead of dealing with recruiters or applying to dozens of jobs individually, on OfferZend, companies apply to you. To get started, just sign up on offersin.com and build a profile. Once you're ready, your profile is made visible to the companies hiring on offersin. Companies interested in you will send you an interview request with details about the job, including upfront salary info. So, if you're looking for work or want to hire developers, check them out at offersin.com. That's o-f-f-e-r-z-e-n.com. Yeah, I definitely, for me, I think um, it. It's almost like I don't know the, the confusion between. Testers as people and and the kind of automated tests that developers think of. um, I I know before I actually worked with a tester the first time, I also just thought like you can just automate all of this stuff quite naively. And and I think it's also, like you say, context-driven. Like my view of what testing was was so small and encompassed so little (laughs) that it could very well be just automated away. (laughs) Um, But it's only like when I actually saw somebody go like, like do deep large integration like walk through stuff and go like but wait a minute the screen is completely broken like that's not something an automated test will find that button and press it even though it's like hidden like five layers deep behind an error message it still tries to go on And then it takes, like, a human to go, like, these warnings make no sense. There's no error feedback. Like, this thing broke. I didn't even enter funny values. It's just this whole thing is incongruent. Like, it is broken, no matter what your automation says.
1: That's beautiful, uh, Kenneth.
2: That was a big eye-opener for me to just go, like, okay, okay, now there's there's more to this. And you frame so nicely with quality. Yeah, that
0: quality words the one, right?
2: Yeah, but I don't want to go... And say like quality assurance, because to me there's also like a weird factory worker label to that you know it's like when somebody puts a sticker on a piece of something and roll off the production line, like keep, keep. or they're
0: working in an insurance
1: company. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like quality assurance is also one of those words that will just get me on my soapbox because. We can't assure quality as one person in the team trying to hmm. test quality. I don't know. Like, if well, you think you can test quality, like it's it's not something we can assure. The whole like said, team has to take responsibility.
2: And like you said in the beginning, the what quality means for different stakeholders is completely different. Even so, whose sticker do you put on if you were forced to?
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: you that's know, that's grand. I think something I do want to ask is for people that are like, uh, hopefully they world or view of testing grew just a little bit out of this fantastic conversation so far what's the kind of stuff that developers can do to make it easier for testers to really like do that great qualitative work
1: oh so many things okay first thing talk (laughs) talk 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 the hard thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) so and and i think just respecting and honoring what testers are doing i guess so not seeing them as, you know, someone that's gonna catch all the things that I didn't bother to to write unit tests for, but actually seeing them as as the people that are there to give them, you know, deeper, more meaningful feedback. So having conversations about what to unit test, what to include as unit tests, telling them where maybe you have compromised on unit tests because of whatever reason, the more Information you can give them about um, your design, how you thought about things, um, what you're worried about. That all helps them to frame and form a picture of where the risks might be and what they should focus on. And also, I don't think this really happens that much anymore, but I, I guess I've seen it a little bit in my past where a developer would kind of say, well, here's the five things I want you to test. That, to me, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, if those were five things that you thought should be tested, then maybe you should have written some unit tests for them. <laughs> yeah, I like if that. It's,
2: yeah, if it's clearly defined, then automated. <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, I think respect that, that a tester has, that it's a, that testing is a craft and that they have the skills um, and that there is feedback that you can really get, get back from that process and get from them, information that you can get from them but you don't want it to be meaningless or useless. You want it to be cool and like help the product. So that's also, I think something I recently picked up the psychology of computer programming by Jerry Weinberg, uh, which was written sure. in the seventies. And he talks about egoless programming, which I found really interesting. And I think that's it's a hard thing for a developer to not be completely attached to this beautiful bit of code that he's writing but if he can be open to getting feedback about it and having somebody really like treat his code like roughly (laughs) um, then that can be an awesome partnership it can be an awesome experience to kind of create something better together
2: it's almost like they should do a code retreat just so they can get used to deleting their own code (laughs) exactly
1: yeah i think uh, it's i think it's it's a difficult thing because I think, obviously, you want to you got to have a balance between being passionate enough about something, but then at the same time seeking feedback and and wanting it to be tested, and you wanting all the bugs or as many of the bugs as possible to get found. And uh, what does it
2: look like, like day to day, kind of like? I mean, obviously, there's like kind of being involved in the in like hopefully being involved in all the team process all the, I guess like all the if it's agile process all the different events around that and, and stand-ups and and being involved but it, I mean like when it gets down to it when you sit down to actually do the testing like what does that actually kind of look like and, and what's the process behind it your thinking um, tooling like any kind of insight there for 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 anybody that's curious how it executes
1: Sure. So um, as you say, being involved in all the, if we're talking about an agile context, being involved in all the ceremonies that that happen, gathering as much information as you can about what's getting built and the way it's getting built. So I like to kind of stick my nose in to all the design sessions. And um, in those, i I think sometimes design happens at a very abstract level. I try and Think about specific examples that we can walk through the design. Sometimes user personas, so sometimes that's um, also in combination with a product owner. And then when it comes to the actual testing, it might be sitting down with a developer and going through the unit tests with them, thinking about testability. So thinking about, okay, how are we practically going to test this? What stubs do we need? If we need any, what harnesses do we need to write anything? simulators or any specific things that will help us to test something do we need to seed any data do we need like seeding scripts or so thinking about what is going to make testing really efficient and effective and yeah then practically when it comes to testing i like to do what i call session-based testing or what we call session-based testing which is really if developers are familiar with a pomodoro it's a similar concept to a pomodoro so you would Break up your testing into kind of a time box. You would have a plan, so you'll come up with like, what is my, what are my hypotheses? What are the things that I want to try and cover during this session? And then I'm going to start exploring, interacting with the product, seeing what I'm observing, what what behaviors am I observing? What what things are kind of uh, matching my hypotheses? Where am I finding bugs, etc.? Um, and then You'll step out of that and do a little reflection. So then we'll figure out, okay, of that time box, how much time was I spending actually testing? How much time was I spending troubleshooting bugs, etc.? And then you'll kind of know whether or not you might need to go back to that feature or function. Um, and sometimes you'll you'll. Get into testing something, and and something big will pop up, and I'll kind of break out of that Pomodoro and go straight to the devs and have a conversation. Um, sometimes it's something that's small and can wait to be logged later on.
2: So the different sessions, do you like one sessions for this persona and that sessions for this specific kind of feature, the new one, and some sessions are for going back and. Making sure there aren't regressions in in existing stuff.
1: Exactly. So, you'd kind of plan out um, what types of different sessions you might want to have. Sometimes you might be exploring um, state transitions across like user navigation. Sometimes you might decide, okay, I'm going to test all the field validations or some business rules. Um, Sometimes, yeah, you might have a persona in mind. So, you're kind of going to have a a predefined idea for that session what you want to cover. And those are discussions that I would also then have as part of my stand-ups or as part of um, our planning, just to say, okay, well, these are the kinds of things I'm thinking of testing. Um, Maybe some of these you guys already want to take care of in unit tests. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation.
2: That sounds like a lot of work, that kind of strategic planning.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you're kind of working in the small, like, batches, you can kind of break it up quite nice and small so that for every story that you have or task that you have, you can kind of plan out the testing for that task. Um, and sometimes it might be just because of the nature of the tasks. And, and if the guys are really building with quality in mind from the beginning and building with unit tests, maybe there's very little that I need to do on certain tasks. Um, and then I can focus on when we kind of integrating stuff all together which usually at, well, at the current clients I'm working at, that tends to be where my focus can be. But again, everything's contextual. Um, I've got a
0: question. One one thing that comes up a lot with uh, testing is tooling. I mean, there's incredibly long arguments about tools and this tool versus that. Maybe just talk to us a little bit about what you think of the tools and whether we should be looking at tools or not. Or... So
1: about tools, do you mean specifically like Selenium and those types of tools, or
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Spine model.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough said. Let's move on to the the kind of big topic, which is you. You run a conference, if I believe. Yes. That? Yeah. So, what's it called?
1: It's called Let's Test. I have a couple of uh, co-organisers, Matthew Broadley, who organises. He also organises the Cape Town Testing Meetup in Cape Town. And Cindy Carlos, who used to be in South Africa and now moved to Denmark, (laughs) but she's helping me from Denmark. So the three of us are organizing Let's Test again this year. This will be the third longer format Let's Test in South Africa. Right, right. It's a conference that actually started in Sweden and went for five years in Sweden and really, yeah, community-based conference, I guess is the word I would use. So it's not not-for-profit a lot of love and hard work and dedication goes goes in from the organizers and we really just want to kind of uplift the testing community in South Africa I don't think there has been enough done to focus on the craft and to focus on on what awesome testing is all about so this is kind of a way to to try and boost that thinking we have some incredible speakers, uh, again, coming from all over the world. We have Paul Holland, who's going to be keynoting for us this year. Who is Paul Holland? Paul Holland is a – he's been with the AST for a long time. Um, I actually met him back in 2007 at a conference in Seattle. He came up with the really cool facilitation mechanism that we also use at the conference called K-Cards, So every single talk is followed by a facilitated discussion, which I think is really also very important. We don't want people to just um, talk about ideas and for there not to be enough kind of questioning and thinking and, and going deeper on those topics. So we really encourage that as part of the conference. We also have a mixture of workshops and talks. And we actually have quite a lot of workshops on the program this year. So that we can really get to practice some of these skills and, and go deep uh, on in terms of those. Yeah. It will be held in Michalisburg. It's the twenty sixth to the twenty eighth of November.
0: So oh, okay, so it's like coming up soon.
1: Coming up soon, two and a half days. And the other the other thing and the reason that we go to Michalisburg is that we kind of want people to just immerse themselves in that space for two and a half days, get to know other testers, get to network. And, and we find that that's really important for this community that we want to build. So a lot of the, the best parts of the conference happen between the talks and and after the talks. And so by going away all together, we can kind of really create a space for that.
0: Yeah, that sounds super cool. And you say it's not for profit, so people are just covering the costs or what's the sort of cost for the weekend if if you you know what that is at this stage of the planning?
1: Sure. So it's um it's eight thousand Rand for sharing and ten thousand Rand for um single and that covers all your meals, accommodation and uh the conference itself. The only thing that we so it's the cost of that goes towards obviously all the, the costs of the conference itself. And then we also do pay for the speakers to be there. So we pay, we cover their costs uh, in right. terms of the actual conference and food, etc. But a lot of them are also um, flying from all over at their own cost, which is really quite incredible. And we're really grateful to them.
2: And how many people will be attending?
1: Uh, last year we had around 65. Um, this year, I expect there to be a few more. So, yeah, we're hoping for around 80. So it's kind of small enough that it still feels like a really uh, intimate conference and you can speak to everybody there and get to know them, but also big enough that you can learn from a bunch of people. Um, so,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's a good size for to really immerse yourself in a topic.
1: Yeah, I think so. And we've got two tracks, so... That's also quite cool because of the workshops. We, we keep it at two tracks. and So you can also have quite nice intimate size workshops.
2: And for people that can't make it to the conference, what's the community uh, look like in general? I mean, you mentioned there's a Cape Town testing meetup. Um, are there other similar events going on?
1: Yes. Yeah, so Joburg Software Testers um, actually started that about, sure. I think it's like three or four years ago now. Um, we, we have got wonderful sponsorship now from intellect. So we have it at their offices the first Tuesday of every month and they supply pizza and beers, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) We're very grateful to them. Um, yeah, so we, we have a variety of, of things on the go there. Uh, we really always looking for, for speakers and, and if you'd like to like speak or facilitate a discussion or present some kind of workshop. Uh, We're open to everything. We've had a lot of kind of different flavors of the meetup. So sometimes it's a lean coffee. Sometimes it's a workshop. Sometimes it's a talk. This actually, well, I don't know when this is going to air, but our next speaker will be Yanku Wilmerantz, which is super exciting. Um, Yeah, and Cape Town testing is also um, being like, It's been an absolute, like, mind-blowing success. I think Uh, they get around 70 people, um, which is really incredible, just even from their very first one, which uh, was held at the beginning of this year. So they have theirs every quarter. Um, We just had one a couple of weeks ago at DVT, and they do a mix of things all in, in one kind of meetup. So they'll have some games and, uh, like, some kind of workshop and then talk as well. But, yeah, there's definitely, I would say, those two meetups. And then I'd encourage also, I would really encourage all testers to go to the dev user group meetups. Uh, You learn so much, even if sometimes you might might think they're going to be too technical. I always find I learn something just by being there. Yeah,
0: I think that's such good advice because I've – I have come across testers who've been sort of almost anti, and it's just puzzled me. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it's
0: just more domain knowledge, right?
1: Absolutely, and just also, you know, getting to know developers, you know, figure like
0: we're fine. There's nothing wrong with us. We're <laughs> exactly. So, you know.
1: <laughs> You're not come so on bad. Over, guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pizza, beer. What's what's wrong with you?
1: And you don't bite.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly well no you know not not that we tell other people about
1: well, most of you anyway
0: yeah righty is there I guess anything else you want to touch on tonight I mean that's been quite an amazing tour of the testing is there anything else you want to bring up that we we haven't yet mentioned or um,
1: that we wish
0: we should know about
1: I guess just uh, I work for house of test and uh, if you're ever looking for someone to <laughs> Uh, yeah, just uh, myself and Oz um, are now house of test. Oz has joined me.
0: Oh fantastic. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's that's so awesome to hear.
1: Yeah. And uh, we're really looking to, to help testers and testing in general. So
0: now that Oz guy's alright, man. He's he's cool.
1: He's <laughs> not bad.
0: Yeah. You could have done worse. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, that's awesome to hear. So, how it's called House of Test. Yes, House of uh, Test. And do you have the obligatory um, website up for that?
1: Yep.
0: House, House of, of test. Correct. Oh, uh, fantastic. And the Let's Test stuff for the listeners, where would they get hold of that? Let's,
1: let's test. Dash test. Com.
0: Okay. Let's Dash test. Com. Cool. Yep. All right. Fantastic.
1: Thank you so much,
0: guys. Sure. Ken, anything else from your side?
2: Yeah, maybe just some reflections and, and, and comments. Um <clears throat> the first thing I just want to say is like thanks for like using the 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 spine model <laughs> to bring this whole thing a level up um to that like to about quality um and the bigger co- cohesive thing and, and what that means for business and, and different stakeholders. I, like like wow, that is a tremendously powerful lens to to look at this whole thing with. Um, awesome. And as a as a guy who traditionally like having worked in very very small teams where they weren't testers, I favored like big massive automated tests, never the, the small unit tests. like I wanted things to blow up um, spectacularly um, <laughs> and, and hunt down the, the problem when something goes wrong. But those things are a pain and um, no matter how much I like them, like eventually they become too tedious and they really become too slow. And they start falling apart when you want to start answering these bigger things. And, and I'm thinking of this I've written in the past, like trying to automate like different paths that people would go through, like, you know, campaign landings and specialized stuff to make sure they tracked all the way. And, and like the amount of time wasted um, that could have been handled by um, a person in a much better way and made sure that the actual, you know, campaign process works as a whole. Um, and actually leads to sales as opposed to whether a Selenium driver can run through it as quickly as possible. <laughs> like That's, that's quite a,
1: a beautiful way of putting it, Ken. You know,
2: and then the other thing was like, um, the first time I did work with testers, um, the, the second test I worked with was absolutely It was all in, in the same team, um, was absolutely fantastic and it really opened my eyes. And luckily, um, in that team, there was no adversarial relationship um, with the tester. And the amount of effort this guy did to come to us with, like, a case. And he just, like, he just handled it gracefully. It's like, it broke. And it, it broke in this way. And this is what I did. And yes, every screenshot you can imagine of the whole path, different log files that he made. Such a, a a huge effort to be able to stand up the entire system on his laptop. I mean, all of us, the dev team, didn't even stand up everything on our own machines. We like pointed to staging parts for some, you know, northbound APIs that we didn't even want to try to <laughs> attempt and run. It's but this beautiful. guy made everything work and, and had this fantastic, and he engaged. And I mean, he injected himself into the team. It's, it's I mean, It's not like we invited him, and it's not like we excluded him either. It was just like he had a thing, but he completely committed, and it became such a fantastic relationship. And I was just blown away. And I like that's why I realized is there's some stuff that there's I don't think a machine can do as reliably um, as a person. And it's like like intuition and kind of emotion and feel and and being able to just go like no like (laughs) this doesn't work no matter what you think like just look here. Like, don't be too logical, just like have a have a squiz and you know, it's refreshing. So, yeah, I'm you... smiling so much. You
1: said. <laughs> That's such a beautiful testing story.
2: Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. And I mean, I guess like this, the this stereotype that I'm hoping your reframing really breaks down, Um, like I think a useless stereotype and then there's such a powerful way of thinking about the stuff that I would just want to encourage people that do work with testers to bring them into the fold. Um properly. I think there's a huge amount of value to be gained from that. And, Absolutely. And if there's not, I mean, like if it's a tester that just did a memorized test and, and doesn't want to be part of the team, then like maybe force them <laughs> to join up some community events and then see what other people are doing or or just get the right people in your team that can actually make a useful contribution.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so thanks for that. And and thanks what you you and us both are doing. I mean, you're very visible, flying the the flag for the stuff, and I'm I'm hoping we can amplify it a bit more. Um, it's definitely an important message.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to do that.
2: No, oh, it's our pleasure.
1: Cool.
2: Uh, Lynn, do you have any parting thoughts? No, no. I'm
0: just I'm absorbing all of this, and I really like the way that you've sort
2: uh, kind of changed my my worldview, Louise. So thank you.
1: Thanks, Lynn
2: let's get into some picks um Louise, do you have any picks first
1: yes so um on lean pub uh jerry weinberg has a whole bunch of um well he actually broke up the quality management series into a bunch of separate books uh so there's how software is built rethinking systems analysis and design um exploring requirements there's like a bunch of different ones I'm going to send the link for
2: those. Cool, thanks. Lynn, do you have any
1: pics?
0: I just uh, got this email from NVIDIA and they're just launching this DGX station. I don't know if you've seen this thing. No. It's a machine made for um, like AI work and a machine learning kind of work. Basically, they're reckoning that one of these boxes. Has the capacity of four racks of servers (laughs) and it's like a desktop machine. So, anyway, and and it looks very cool. It's in gold. I'll paste it there and you can put it in the shallow. So, just, you know, everyone's got to have one because, you know, machine learning, right? Looks very cool. So, click on that link and, you know.
2: And, And when your models aren't training, you can use it to mine Bitcoin. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think they call it the personal AI supercomputer. There you go.
0: Everyone needs one.
2: Yeah, that's insane. Absolutely insane. All right, and then from my side, I only have one. Um, I'm glad to see I haven't picked it yet. Uh, Bill Bryson's a short history of nearly anything, uh, everything. Um,
0: (laughs) Nearly anything's (laughs) about the same, yeah. Yeah, about
2: the same. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just a fantastic book. I got reminded about it in a, in a conversation yesterday. Um, really good. And then, uh, if you like travel writing, just Bill Bryson as a whole. But I think a short history of nearly everything is something everybody's agreed at least once. Oh. So oh, yeah, it's one awesome. of the funniest books I've ever read. I love that book. Yeah, that guy's got a knack for telling stories. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah cool. So, Luis, thanks again. Um,
1: Thank you, guys.
2: Pleasure. And then, with that, let's say good night. Cheers, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found on ZADefChat.io. As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated. If you have feedback on this episode or any other episode, you can tweet us at ZADefChat or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for listening to the ZADefChat podcast, and we'll see you next time.